bringing hope to many around the globe, transforming lives into legacies. Live in Word with Pastor Mensah Otterbill. And now, today's word. What are the things that you have to do in order to evaluate a cost? Consider the skills needed for your task. Your success level is determined by your skill level. If you don't have the skill, learn it or team up with those who have it. Because if you're going to be successful to fulfill your intentions, you have to have skills such as time management, people management, organizational management, and so on. You have to have these skills. If you don't know how to work with people and you quarrel with everybody you work with, then you're going to see your intentions are there, but you don't achieve your intentions because it's going to mean that you learn to work better with people. Some of the skills may be skills you must... You must go to school for, or attend a special workshop for, or, or attend a spe- special classes for. In these times in Ghana, nobody has an excuse because there are so many options available for people to train and educate themselves. So, what are the skills that will be required for you to fulfill your intentions? It's going to cost you something. You may have to go to school, pay some fees, you may have to spend some time, but these are all the costs. To the intentions that you believe God has given to you. Secondly, check the availability of systems and support. Every intention requires support or a system. Your dream will have to stand on available systems and support. Are the systems you need available? Are there customers for what you want to sell? Is the community ready for your services? Are people ready to patronize what you have? These are the systems. And if the systems are not there, and you cannot guarantee a system, you have to determine whether, by evaluating the cost for your intention, whether this is something you must start this year or postpone till next year. You know, uh, if you read the Bible, the birth of John the Baptist was postponed. Why didn't Elizabeth and, 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 uh, and Zachariah have John the Baptist? They could have had a child. They could have had a child. But they couldn't. Because their child had been marked for a purpose. He was supposed to be the voice crying in the world and is announcing the Messiah. So until the Messiah was ready, he couldn't come. He had to come at the time the Messiah was ready. God had to make sure the system was right before He provided for what he was looking for. And so when the Bible says, in the fullness of time, God brought forth his son. Why didn't Jesus come in the day of Abraham? Why didn't he come in the days of Moses? Why didn't he come in the days of David? Wherein there righteous people there were. But the system, the, the structure was not ready for a Messiah to come. Many Bible theologians believe that God had to wait till the world political, geopolitical, economic system was ready for the Messiah to come. Because if the Messiah had come in the days of Abraham, he would just have become a Jewish, a Jewish person, a Jewish Messiah, and nobody would hear of him. By the time Jesus Christ came, a lot of things had happened in the world. For the first time, the world 
the known world had one major written language that everybody could communicate in Greek. And the, and the infrastructure was right, the political system was right, and it was easy to disseminate information throughout every part of the world. And when that system was ready, God brought forth his son. God had to wait till the systems were right before the son was born. And you have to sometimes be patient for some things to be in place before your dream becomes a reality. Because sometimes when you give birth to an idea and the systems down there are not strong, your dream will die, it will collapse. So check whether the systems are right. If people don't want your product, you can't go and sell it. If the people are rural-minded, you cannot go and tell, sell them urban products. You have to wait till certain systems are right before you go out with your dream, with your vision. Third, count the spiritual and emotional cost of your vision. Every dream has got a spiritual and emotional cost, spiritual and emotional demand. How much prayer are you ready to invest in this new endeavor? Believe you me, especially here in Ghana, if you're going to start a new business, you, you have to learn how to pray. Because nothing works. Systems don't work. You have to support everything you do with prayer. You have to pray for favor. You have to pray for access. You have to pray for open door. You have to hear from God. Because believe you me, at time when you're dealing in business, you don't know the intentions of people. Sometimes somebody is smiling at you and you think he's the best business partner, but you have no idea what ulterior motives they have. You have to be in touch with God so you can know the minds of people. So you have to have some spiritual equity invested in your business. Even if you want, want to buy land, you have to invest spiritual equity because all of these things have got all kinds of ramifications and you have to pray. You have to see God's mind. You have to see the direction of God's spirit and you have to invest spiritually into what you're doing. Whatever you do is going to cost you emotionally as well. Every success comes with its toll. It's going to cost you if you're married. It's going to cost you time. You may not be able to spend enough time with your marriage. And if you're not careful, your marriage can suffer as a result of you fulfilling your dreams in life. So, are you ready to invest spiritually and emotionally? Can you handle the pressure? Can you handle what comes with it? Because everything we want to do is going to cost us something. Being a pastor, it's going to cost you. If you become great, it's going to cost you. If you become popular, it's going to cost you. If you're not popular, it will cost you. Whatever you do, it's going to cost you. So make sure that you do something that will cost you something that you are happy to pay for. But if you don't and you sit down, it's also going to cost you. So are you ready to pay the price. Can you stand the tensions that come with your job? If you quit your business right now, maybe you're working for a bank and, and, and you paid a good salary and say, so, oh, I want to start my own business. That's good. That's your intention. You start your own business and you realize you have no reliable salary, no consistent salary, and, 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 and so many things start going wrong. Wrong. You can't pay for fuel for your car. Your car maintenance allowance is gone with your old job. And all kinds of things that you used to take for granted are no longer there. It puts pressure on you. 
Maybe your children's education, school fees you can't pay. And yet when you were running, working for somebody, you could pay fees. Now you're running your own business. You can't pay fees. You can't fool your car. And, and, and you're working extra hard and getting little as a result of it. That is the price you pay. Are you ready for it? If you're not ready, then pick up the shoe, admire it, and put it back on the shelf. If you're not ready, say, well, I wish I would start my business, but it's going to cost me so much so I will be employed by somebody. And it's not a sin and it's not a failure. It's, it's reality check. Because not everybody can pay the price. Because for some people to pay some price to achieve some results is going to cost them so much they may not even survive to reap the benefit of what they are sacrificing for. So are you ready for it? Are you ready to pay the price? The third important thing is that you have to explore your opportunities. Explore your opportunities. Number one, establish your intentions. Number two, evaluate the cost. Number three, explore your opportunities. Explore means that you're going to make effort to look a bit closer. You're going to make effort to discover. You're going to make effort to, to consider things beyond the way they appear. Everybody who explores goes the second mile. So how do you explore your opportunities? First, you have to see beyond the difficulties before you. See beyond the difficulties before you. Do not allow the challenges to obscure your vision. What you see as a difficulty may actually be an opportunity waiting to be taken advantage of. See beyond the difficulties before you. I told you to count the cost. But the fact that there is a price to it doesn't mean you cannot pay it. It simply tells you there's a price. And maybe if you look at it a bit closely, you find you can actually pull the resources to get it done. So look at the opportunities around you. Look at the difficulties. A lot of times, opportunity is disguised as problem. And many times, the thing that is a problem is actually an opportunity. There is an old story that uh, salesmen uh, and women talk about, about a gentleman who worked for a shoe company and uh, went to... He was sent to a new area for the shoe company to have an extension of his business to sell shoes in, in, in that new area. It's a village. He goes to the village and nobody has a shoe. Nobody wears a shoe and he's come to sell shoes and nobody has shoes. So he goes out there, he looks at the problem, he says, nobody even has a shoe. They don't know what a shoe is, how can I sell them a shoe? So he sends a telex or telegram back to the headquarters and says, hopeless. There's no opportunity. The people don't even have shoes. They don't know what a shoe is. So the headquarters says, come back home to the headquarters. They record him. They sent a second worker, a second salesman. He goes out there and he sees the same problem. Nobody has shoes. And he sends a telegram. He says, I need tons of shoes because nobody has shoes and I can sell them all the shoes they need. It depends on how you see the problem. How do you see scarcity? Does scarcity mean something can be done about a problem or it means that there is no hope for the problem? Look at the problems. Look at them a bit closely. 
Don't let the current difficulty discourage you because every great endeavor comes with difficulty. Every great endeavor. You want to start a church, it's going to come with difficulty. Some people say, well, the easiest thing you have to do in Ghana is start a church. You try it. Try it till you start preaching one sermon and your mouth is dry and, and there is no idea coming and people are looking at your face waiting for the next point. And you don't know where the next point is coming from. Try it. When you start a church, you meet in a classroom and you are ejected from the classroom. I remember when we started our church, we were meeting in a school. I don't want to mention the name of the school to embarrass the headmaster. But, um, you know, sometimes you have a great idea, but nobody thinks your idea is great. So I thought I had a great church. He thought I was a nuisance. So we used to meet in this classroom. And uh, one Sunday after church, I went home, you know, dismissed the church. We went home. And I think it was on Monday I had a message. The headmaster of the school said, go and call that reverend. So I, came, <laughs> I, came, and I, I went to sit, sit in, on his veranda for a long time. He wasn't minding me. Just, I don't know what he was doing, whether he was eating or whatever. But I sat there for a long time on his veranda. Then he came, the front, when he came, he didn't even sit down. He says, you and your church, you are getting out of here. I don't want to see you again. I said, sir, what have we done? He says, I don't want to see, I don't want church. I don't. I said, it's Monday, Sunday. I told the people we are meeting again. And this Sunday, uh, Monday, how can I tell the people church has been sacked? (laughs) And I, I had no idea. Where is the next meeting place? And so I went to see an older man that I thought that the headmaster of the school would respect. And I said, sir, please, you know, in Ghana, you have to get an elder to front you. So I said, come, lead, come and lead me to go and beg this headmaster. So he gives us at least one week. So I make the announcement that the, we have been sacked. So I took the, the older man, same treatment. The older man went. The headmaster says, sir, I respect you. You are older, but I don't want to see these people here again. They are making too much noise. They are shouting some language. I don't know what it is. They are clapping their hands and they are disturbing my school. <laughs> I don't know whether it was a spiritual warfare or just a school discipline. But So my plan B didn't work. So it's Thursday. Sunday is coming. Where do we go? So I started running helter-skelter. You know, when you end up running through Accra, looking for a meeting place. And on Saturday, we got a garage. Somebody's garage with no chair, no nothing, with cement, uh, engine blocks and grease on the floor. That was all we got. So I went to stand at the classroom there. And when people would come, I said, we are not meeting here. We are meeting somewhere else. We are not meeting here. We are meeting some. We lost quite a few of the people. We went to meet in that garage. And I preached my heart out. Standing, no sitting. And then the garage people said, we don't want you here. We just met one Sunday. One Sunday. The principal of the place, the head of the place said, uh, I, did, I wasn't the one who gave it, and he didn't give it the permission. One of the workers who was a member of our church uh, passed, <laughs> passed the corner and put us there. <laughs> and the head of the place got to know. And we were sacked again. And I said, where are we going to go? Within two weeks, we are, we are moving twice. But by Thursday, 
we got a small classroom and moved the church there. Because everything that God tells you to do, even if Jehovah himself calls you, there will be a headmaster somewhere who doesn't fear Jehovah. <laughs> so don't think because the idea came from God, everybody will support it, everybody will give it uh, their, their support. No, there are people who will frustrate you and frustrate you so hard. Sometimes you think your idea has failed. It never grew. It was born and it's dying at birth. And by this time, the church is not even one year old. And we're almost already dying. But you have to keep going on. The difficulties are not as life-threatening as you think they are. And I'm sure I'm speaking to somebody somewhere and your idea is threatening to die. You say, but I started, but God spoke to me. But what is happening? Nothing is happening. It's just growing. When you see any tree that has grown, go and inspect it. And you see by the tree that a big wound somewhere and a big cut somewhere and a branch that was broken somewhere. When it was a child, some people tried to weed it away but it survived. Some people cut it, but it survived. Some broke it, but it survived. And finally, it may not be perfectly straight. It's got a few crooked branches, but it still survived. It still survived. Your dream will not die. The difficulties will be there. But sometimes in those difficulties, you see the hand of God, and you see God guiding you, and you see great opportunity. Thank you for listening to Living Word. To interact with Pastor Mensah Otebil, like his page on Facebook. Follow him on Twitter at Mensah Otebil. Email otebil at centralgospel.com or call plus 233-302-688-000.